Hello and welcome back to another episode of the St Francis of Ether podcast, the podcast where we have a go at discussing the topics chosen by you. Anna here. I hope you've all had a good week. Um, welcome to this week's podcast. We will be talking to Rachel Gardner. Some of you might know her from Soul Survivor, her talks, or her great book, The Girl Deconstruction Project. We will be asking questions about her faith, her book, um, and even some relationship advice. We really recommend Rachel's book. I think both of us found it was great for strengthening faith. Um, and reading about her journey with God is so interesting. I hope you enjoy this podcast with our special guest. Um, hi, Rachel. Um, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Uh, hope it's all right if we ask you some questions. Absolutely. I'm all yours, Anna, and I'm very glad to be with you. Um, we're going to start with 10 quick fire questions just to like start right about random things. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, so first... Do you prefer a night in or a night out? A night out! And we're not getting them. Night out. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, what is the first restaurant you will eat in when lockdown's over? Okay, it's shallow, it's low culture, it's McDonald's! Yes. <laughs> um, do you prefer your teens or your 20s? 20s, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what is your favourite way to eat a potato? It's so funny, covered in butter and then with the skin on, but I then just sit there peeling the skin off. Like when you used to put glue on your hands at school and it would dry and you just peel it off. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, but so nice. So peeling the skin off like that, yeah, love it. Okay, uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Mm. What is the last song you listened to? Oh, I think this morning I listened to um, The Blessing again, that wonderful UK blessing. So that is ringing in my ears. I know it was a couple of weeks ago, but oh, love it. So good. Um, books or movies? Ooh, at the moment we are watching so much Disney Channel. So I have to say books. I'm watching like kids' movies. So I think I would like to read a book. That's what yeah. I like to do. Yeah, books. Um, what is your favourite day of the week? Friday. I don't know why, it just, it's just like a magnet that pulls us to the weekend and it promises so much and never delivers. But anyway, Friday! Friday. I agree, I agree. <laughs> okay, um, so we're going to do some more serious questions now about your faith and stuff. Um, so one thing we have been asking everyone on our podcast is how did you become a Christian? I, I don't really know is the answer. <laughs> um, like I grew up in a Christian family and so I learnt about God being real, just like I learned about algebra and how to write my name. Um, but when I was sort of late teenage years, a really good friend died in a car crash. Another friend was horribly sexually attacked. And I kind of thought, wait a minute, God, like I've been a good girl all my life. Like this, I don't like you. you. You let bad stuff happen. And so I remember traveling around Spain and Portugal with some friends. I was about 18 years old and I was all ready to give up on God and say, I've had enough. Um, but I just thought, I don't, I can't easily walk away. And so for two weeks, I said, God, are you real? Are you real? Are you real? And I didn't get any like cloud writing or magic writing on my hands. 
But those two weeks, I was talking to God. And at the end of it, I just knew that I had to go back and look at Jesus in scripture. I'd, I'd meddled in other religions. I'd fancied a guy who was a Sufist. I'd like tried other things. And then they were just completely dissatisfying me. And so I do know how I became a Christian. It was through surrendering my life to Jesus. But I don't remember a day and a time. It was just like a slow waking up and going, oh, yeah. Oh yes, it's you. It's always been you, Jesus. You've always been there, and and now I choose you. Not because my parents do. I choose you for me. So I think that so for me it was a long journey. Um, well, I think we've both been reading your book during lockdown. It's so good. Oh, you're so <laughs> <happy>. <laughs> even got it. <laughs> I didn't read books, but like. I read that in like a week. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're so good. Um, I think we just wanted to know what was the, you know, why did you write it? What was your kind of inspiration? Yes, thank you for asking. I, mean, I love writing. I love words. Um, and about five years ago, the publisher said, would you write a book, another book? And I said, I, I, I want to, but I'm not going to unless I've got something specific to say and so I put it off and put it off and then I was at Soul Survivor and New Wine and New Day one summer a few summers ago and I was doing seminars for young women your age um, and I just uh, I just did a survey so 5,000 girls filled in the survey I just said the kind of girl that you are tell me about that the kind of girl that you don't think you are and the kind of girl that you want to be and I was overwhelmed that like 95% of these 5,000 amazing women Christian women, women that are choosing to follow Jesus, powerful, educated, attractive, dynamic, funny. Um, they were saying what they want more than anything is to be confident. And I was like, what is it about being a young woman in the West, growing up in church, that makes you, that robs you of confidence? So I thought, I'll write a book about that. So I thought, I'll write about the four sections. So what does it mean to have confidence in your body as a Christian woman, to have confidence about your mind and how you approach your mental health and your thought life and about your relationships. And then I wrote about power because I, I really feel that um, women, we are powerful. And it's not a kind of a, I love the word sassy, but it's not a kind of a Beyonce sassy power. As if, and I love that too, but that doesn't sum up for me power power is that we're not here to decorate the environment we're here to transform it in jesus name we're here to lead and to serve we're here to speak and to be silent we're here to push ourselves forward and to push others forward and i so i thought i'd write about power as well because i think there's so much talk about toxic masculinity about toxic feminism and i want to talk about what godly feminism and godly power would look like so yeah Hence the book. And I think actually in this day and age of lockdown and Zoom, it works quite neatly to balance your phone on for those little selfies. So it's like, it's quite good here. It's like multi-purpose. Okay, another question. Um, In the book, you share about how God spoke to you to go to Moldova and start your own charity. How did you know it was God telling you to do these things? Such a great question, Thea. because in hindsight, like this is what we all do. In hindsight, we say, oh, yes, it was obviously God. Whereas at the time, it was just, it felt like this, I need to do this. And there were other people around that said, yeah, do this. It's, it's a good idea. Um, and so I think it was probably mainly a hunch and a gut feeling and a passion. And I, I think for me, I often 
God sort of stirs me first by stirring my emotions and my heart. It doesn't stay there. I have to then talk about it with God and talk about it with others and make sure it's not just my ego and my ideas. But often for me, it starts with something that catches in my throat. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Maybe there's somebody at college who breaks, their life breaks your heart because they're in so much pain or you think about, you know, COVID-19 now ravaging the islands of Lesbos and the, the refugee camps and it just catches in your throat and you're like, yeah, everyone else is upset about it. But for you, you're like, I just can't let go of this. And I think sometimes a calling start can start there and then it kind of grows out and you get more idea with it. So I think that really, for me, it started with that. <gasps> what can I do? And then God, what could you do through me? And then God, what are you doing that I could join in with? Because when I got to Moldova, I realized they didn't need this ridiculous woman from Luton getting on a plane, coming to tell them what to do. They just needed, you know, they were just inviting me to see what they were already doing. And I was blown away by that. And yeah, that was amazing. Um, sometimes it, well, it can feel hard to feel God. Um, times like these, he can feel like really distant. Um, how do you connect with Jesus? You know, when you feel like that? So brilliant. So hard. How do we connect with a God that we can't see? Especially when the world around us can sometimes put up with us believing in God, but other times just thinks we're utterly deluded. Um, and that's hard to deal with when you get home and think, well, I've prayed and I don't know if I can feel your presence. So at the moment, what I'm doing, and this is a bit of a weird one, but um, my little girl who's eight, she gets quite anxious at night at the moment. And so I'm often sat in her room, like tickling her back or just sat with her quietly while she falls asleep. And so I'm sitting very, very still. And while I'm doing that, trying not to wake her up, I just, at the moment, I'm saying to God, okay, God, I'm still. And please, will you let me know that you are here? I'm going to now really focus on you being here with me. I'm not going to get my phone out. I can't. I'm not going to rush off. I can't. I'm just really still. And just like I'm being really present with my daughter, God, will you be really present with me? And I've had some some of those experiences where people could go, well, that's, you've just made that up. But you know when you know when you know, don't you? And I... <laughs> Last night, I felt just God, it was almost like he was sort of just sat behind me, just like, I'm here, I'm with you. Um, sometimes a thought drops in my mind or a verse of scripture and I begin to think about it, but it feels like a really rich time with God. So that's my encouragement to you is really be deliberate about it. Find a space where you've got less distraction, maybe in the downstairs loo or you know, on your daily walk and just sit for five minutes and say, I want to, I'm going to focus my senses on you. I'm going to focus my, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling. And I say, God, you are real. So help me to know that this is you that I'm feeling. And the other thing is, you know, God is very kind. He, he meets us in our feelings. But there are other times where God wants to kind of challenge what we're feeling. Because sometimes our feelings lie to us. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you can feel, well, God, you're not here. My feelings, I feel like you're not here. And in those times, we have to say, okay, feelings are, uh, yeah, feelings are really helpful. But right now, I need to know in my mind, in my spirit, that, God, you're here. So sometimes we trust our feelings. Other times we're like, okay, are my feelings telling me the truth? Because the truth is that God is always with me. So if, my feel, if I don't feel that in my feelings... Maybe I need to talk to my feelings. Okay, feelings. God is here. All right, emotions. God is here. 
said, God, come and make yourself known to me. I think that's, that helps me. Yeah. That, does that answer your question, Anna? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's tough. Um, yeah. yeah. Similar to the last question, in your book you talk about loving those far from God. What advice would you give on keeping your own faith strong and not feeling distant your, and not feeling distant yourself when doing this? There were clauses and get out clauses and wanted proverbials. I'm doing my kids' year eight stuff. I'm not very good at reading. Yeah, (laughs) I love that question. I love it. Um, Similar to the last question, in your book you talk about loving those far from God. What advice would you give on keeping your own faith strong and not feeling distant? Brilliant. Do you know what? Do you know what I found? I found, I found in my life that the more I reach out to people that don't know Jesus, the more my love and my faith for Jesus grows. And, and the more I think I've got to sort it all out before I can ever say anything, I find that I get a bit stagnant, like those stinky pools that there's no water coming into and they just stink. So I think if you, if you are really hungry to see God at work, Go and hang out with people that, that don't know him and desperately needs him and watch and watch what he does. And I know it's difficult in lockdown at the moment because we can't like go and do the things that we'd normally do, but you can reach out to people online. You could contact somebody that like terrifies you the most socially and say, I'm having a bit of a crappy day today. Can I can I pray for you? And just see what happens. You know, see what happens. They might be like, oh, actually, like last night, blah, 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 blah. And I suddenly thought, if there's a God, I pray. You know, you don't know until you ask. The other week at the church, I'm, I do deliver food parcels to people that, are, that need help. And, and one of our dear sex workers who just works the streets, who couldn't be put in a hotel for all sorts of reasons, um, ended up on the back of our steps. And, and I spent ages like ringing around different agencies to help her. We were sat at a social distancing. And I was like, well, no one can help her for the next few hours. So I might as well just sit safely social distancing and just spend time with her and just be with somebody who is being quite difficult and quite challenging and is very broken and hurting. But I'm just going to watch what happens now. And and we ended up praying together and it was really powerful. I, I drove away from that situation thinking, I've not helped her. You know, I've not, I've not done anything. I've just sat with her. But I've watched, I've watched God calm her down and speak to her and be with her so I think if you can like reach out to people that are hard to love in a way don't don't put yourself at risk don't be a doormat to people that really want to hurt you but reach out and love somebody that that you think might reject you and see what happens does that answer your question yeah yeah that does answer my question (laughs) we have some do we have some more questions yeah yes I think we do um oh yeah um, it's hard to reject society's idea of perfection when it feels like that's what we see and experience every day. Um, how how would you say we focus on God on, and what God thinks of us? Yeah. And can I say, I'm, I'm not a winner at this. I find this really hard. I don't know if you found it as well, but having all of your life now, like, like, like you guys are teenagers, you are like, you like swim in this water all the time. And you've now got all these adults like me invading your online space going, hi, I'm now going to tell you how to be real in front of Jesus. And you're like, really? Go away. And um, so I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm, I find it, I find it hard. And I think there's, you know, at different ages of life, there are different subtle 
versions of this. So at the moment, I'm, I've got the subtle version of be a perfect mom and be a perfect church leader and be a perfect speaker whenever you speak on Zoom and, you know, and, and be a perfect woman. And you're, you've got to an age where now you're, you know, everything's sagging, but don't be sagging, be perfect. So I think at every stage in life, we have to... Um, just be real about what is the perfection message that I am most prone to believing? Like, what is it? And why am I most prone to believing this? Because um, I think um, we have an enemy of our souls. Like, we have an enemy that wants to rob us of our peace and our hope and our joy and wants as much as possible to keep us living lives that are cowed and like, oh, I can't do anything. Um, and what the enemy does in my life, I don't know about you, is... If I hear something like, Rachel, you've got to be a perfect mum and you've got to have flawless skin and you've got to be, have a perfect weight and you've got to be amazing at this, very quickly that attaches itself to a lie that I believed a long time ago and I still sometimes believe. Like when I was 14, 15, 16, a guy on a school bus said to me, Rachel, sometimes you look nice, most of the time you look frumpy. Like, and, he, and he's probably completely forgotten he said it. But that lie, like, got into me. So every time I hear something that says to me, Rachel, you're just not good enough, it very quickly goes back to that lie. And, and, I, and I, what I do now is I kind of acknowledge that and say, okay, this, this lie that I've got to be perfect can kind of do some damage in me because there's already other lies in me that I find it really hard to fight. Um, but this is where speaking the truth is really powerful because when we say actually no that's not true and I'm not going to say yes to that lie we say Jesus come and break that lie and then I'm going to speak the truth and the truth is I don't have to be perfect the truth is I reach my own standard of beauty and awesomeness and craziness and fabulousness and power every day. I reach it. I reach it every day because I'm simply being who Jesus asked me to be. And I also realize that when I stop trying to be somebody that everyone else says I should be and I start being myself and like showing the sweat patches under my tongue or whatever it is, and every other woman and guy probably around me goes, oh, Oh, so she's not judging herself by that standard. So she's probably not judging me by that standard either. She's letting me be me. And I, when I realized that, that changed things for me. When I realized that other women thought I was judging them because I held myself to such a high standard, that was like, no, I'm not. So I think there's a whole mash of stuff there for you to work through. But I think <laughs> it's about recognizing what is the perfection lie I'm most likely to believe what is it? I've got to have perfect face, perfect grades. Like, what, what is it? And then ask yourself, why? What else do I believe that that kind of plays into? And then, Jesus, will you break that? Will you cut that off? And the truth is, I am enough and I don't have to be anything more than this. And the truth is that I have potential to become everything God made me to be. So I'm growing into this person that God called me to be. It's tough, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> do you find that when somebody posts something on insta or tiktok where they're really honest that actually that really helps to challenge this a bit when celebrities or your friends say actually this is me and i'm not nailing it today do you find that really helps sort of open up yeah, definitely i think honesty is really important like when you see 
you know, a celebrity or whatever being really kind of truthful. It kind of, I don't know, it breaks some of that judgment, I think, that, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also as women, I mean, I think men face this too, but I think particularly as women, we are, we are um, trained from an early age to see ourselves as a project. We're trained to be objective, to work out, you know, how are people looking at me and how are they seeing me? There are some girls in the youth group here at Preston Minster that at the moment, when we do our, our Zoom youth stuff, they, they switch off their video because they just, they just can't face seeing their faces. So if I was normally talking to you, I wouldn't be looking at my face. <laughs> I'd be looking at your face. So I think it's about recognising it's a weird time we're in and it's okay to get boundaries that work for you and to say, actually, that's not helping me right now, to be honest and to be real like you're saying, Anna. I want to be real and truthful and let other people be that too. Yeah. Um, okay, so you set up a charity called Romance Academy and we would love to ask you a couple of questions about love and dating, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we only have relationships with the goal of a serious long lasting relationship and marriage and if yes does this mean as teenagers we are too young to have a relationship so no I don't think I think you don't need to date people only those that you think you will absolutely celebrate your 75th wedding anniversary with because I think that's too much pressure on the flip side though um, check your values and your motives if relationships are well they're only temporary I just like them I'm just gonna date them and I, they, they mean nothing more then I would say that also you need to reject that because actually as Christians we do believe that we are built for monogamy for commitment so even though not every person you date you might end up marrying it's really important that actually the way you date is that you honor that relationship as if actually one day maybe they could be the person that you're going to spend forever with or as somebody who might go and have a future relationship with somebody else and you don't want to cause them hurt and damage that they've got to then deal with in a future relationship. So I think it's about not loading this relationship with, oh, we're going to have babies and, you know, I'll only date somebody that I think, you know, one day is going to have the condo and blah, blah, blah. No, that's too much pressure. But don't go into a relationship thinking, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, I can date them, then, then, then. Because actually you will hurt yourself and you'll hurt others as well. So it's a kind of a, a middle way between the two. And that's where you need your dear youth workers like Paul and your friends and you know, people around you that can really help you understand how you're doing with that. And that's, that's a good bit of wisdom, isn't it? If you've got a relationship that you're not letting anybody else speak into that's a bit of a flag that maybe this relationship isn't healthy so um would you say that it's not a good idea to be with someone who like completely disagrees and disregards like your faith such a tough one isn't it i think if i if i was dating somebody that uh didn't believe that being a woman was a powerful part of my identity that every time I said, look, I'm, you know, they're like, no, stop talking about girl things and woman things. I think I'd find that relationship wouldn't really grow because I, like, a really powerful part of me, my gender, 
Um, they're just dismissing and don't care about. And, and as a Christian, for me, it's not a box that I tick. It's not a, I like McDonald's, I like flat whites, and I like my religion. Like, it's not, my religion is not something I like. This, I, my identity is I'm a child of God. So this actually is, is who I am. And, and, and everything I do and live comes out of this. So anybody I, I have in a really close sense speaking into my life or who I allow really intimately in my life needs to be people that um, that understand that and want to help me grow in that and I help them grow. I, th I think it's very, this is a very tricky one because I think sometimes um, when we say don't date a non-Christian, what happens is that we then say, therefore, all Christians would be great to date. So the only thing that matters is that they're a Christian, not what their quality of their character is or how they treat people. So I think, again, it's this, it's this wisdom in the middle. So for you, if following Jesus is not just a tick box, if this is actually your life is hidden with Christ in God, you want to date somebody that gets excited about that with you, that wants to help you grow in that, because this is like, this is it for you. Um, and if they don't get it, there's always going to be that potential tension, isn't there? But equally on the flip side, don't dump a non-Christian boyfriend or girlfriend simply because they're not a Christian. Oh, you're not a Christian, I'm going to dump you. That's so damaging. And don't go into a relationship with a Christian saying, well, this person's a Christian, so therefore they must be brilliant at relationships and everything they suggest we do must be fine because they're a Christian. So it's this, it's this kind of wisdom in the middle. I know young people who have dated non-Christian and that has led them to Jesus. I know other young people that have dated non-Christian and that's led themselves away from Jesus. So again, I think, have people around you that know your heart, that know what it is you want with life. And if you're going to start dating somebody who might not be running after Jesus at the same speed as you, say to some good friends, look, I really like them. I think we can have a good relationship. This area is a bit tricky. Could you be praying for us? And could you be talking to me? And if you see that actually something's happening, but, that, you know, that I'm not connecting with Christ as much, I'm not connecting with church, will you challenge me? I think if we can be open like that, I think that's really healthy for us. I remember dating a Christian guy. I remember dating, I dated a non-Christian and he treated me brilliantly and he really respected my boundaries of no sex for marriage and we didn't have sex. I dated a Christian guy um, and because he suggested doing certain things, I thought, oh, maybe this, should, maybe this is fine. And he treated me really badly. So I think just be really, really wise about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Is that um, what you guys think? What would be your one top tip for avoiding loneliness during lockdown and how can God help us with this? Oh, avoid, oh, it's such a biggie, isn't it? Avoiding loneliness. Um, one top tip. Hmm. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was hug a pillow, which is not probably that helpful. But I think that, that is part of it, actually. That, like, the physical touch, the hug, especially if your love language is touch, um, and you're in isolation with family members that you maybe don't hug or you want to hug a friend, then actually just giving yourself a hug and hugging a pillow and maybe like being on Zoom with your friends and all of you being like virtual hug. And, and I think um, a way to deal with loneliness is have a few people that you can speak to on quite an intimate level. So have you got some friends that it's not just banks, 
you actually can say, this is how I feel. Because actually that will help you deal with loneliness more than a million hugs and, you know, having somebody that you're just like, I just need to talk about how I'm really feeling. That will really massively help with loneliness. I also think chocolate is great <laughs> for anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do you deal with loneliness, girls? What do, what do you do then? What, what have you found has helped you? FaceTime my friends. Yeah, same. Mm. Now we can go on walks, but like stay two metres apart. But like, at least I can <laughs> see them now. That's so good, isn't it? Do you think the, um, the young guys, the men in your life, the, the boys, do you, are they connecting as much with each other over FaceTime? Or is it more that girls are slightly more kind of able to do this what do you think do the lads do it i think the girls talk a lot more yeah but, um, i think the boys probably play xbox together yeah yeah i don't think they yeah i think that's what they do <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was trying some parents a while ago and they said their 17 year old son they think he's probably not talking to anybody apart from when he's playing xbox and i thought that's interesting is that guys and girls maybe facing lockdown a bit differently like different results yeah. and different responses so look out for the guys as well maybe maybe call them on facetime check that they're check that they're okay as well yeah, yeah. have we got more oh yeah so our one final question what advice would you give your teenage self wear sunscreen get sunscreen on your face because you freckle <laughs> I would also say, it's a, it's a kind of a classic line, I think, from Shakespeare, but I would say, this too shall pass. Like, I, I, as a teenager, I found it very hard to, to think that the future might be different. And so if I made a mistake, if I made a fool of myself, if I got it a bit wrong, if, if something wasn't as good as I hoped it would be, I kind of thought, well, that's it then. That's how it will ever be. So I think I'd say to myself, this, this will pass. And I think I'd say to myself, sorry, these are three things. Am I allowed three wishes? I think I'd say to myself, the stuff that right now makes you feel like you don't really fit in or you, you feel a bit different to others or you, you worry that you're not good enough. All that stuff, Rachel, is going to become the fuel and the fire of your life and it will be the thing that will inspire you to reach out to others, to get over your insecurity, to speak to 10 people and 10,000 people. Like all that stuff that in your teenage years makes you feel clanky and clunky and you don't fit and you, you're on the edge, that is going to be such a beautiful resource in your life. So don't be afraid of that. In fact, actually, see that as seeds for really beautiful stuff to grow. Okay, thank you. That's the end of our questions. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.